And if you have your Bibles, turn with me uh, this morning to the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel, and we're going to be in chapter 1. While you're finding that, just a reminder, I mentioned a few weeks ago, we've got a new church van ordered. It's going to be delivered this summer. And uh, we set up a van fund. If you would like to make a donation to help us be able to purchase that van, uh, you can just mark your offering envelope van fund. Uh, and it will be a blessing to so many. Also online, our website where we have online giving, uh, there's a place there where you can designate an offering uh, for that new van. Also, uh, this past Wednesday night was our last uh, regular Bible study on Wednesday nights uh, for this summer. Uh, we've got a big summer plan. The month of June uh, is slammed, packed with all kinds of events. We'll be hosting district assembly here at our church. Uh, I'll be traveling to General Assembly in Indianapolis for a week. And uh, we just have, uh, I think the kids, the teens are leaving for church camp uh, maybe next week or the week after school gets out this week. So there's a lot going on this summer. And we're going to put out a summer schedule uh, for Wednesdays. Uh, we'll be putting that out this week and making that available to you. Along with those of you that uh, have been around a few years know that during the summer, uh, we do something called Hands and Feet in the Heat. Uh, where we do some service projects and have some activities going on that are a little bit different than what we do during the school year. So be looking for that, looking for that schedule, and we'll be reminding you of that, and those activities will also be in the bulletin uh, as well. Well, I'm excited this morning that you're here today. Uh, we're beginning a new sermon series today called A Summer with King David. A Summer with King David. And you can tell by the look of this graphic, uh, when Hunter gets back, he's out of town this weekend. He had to do a wedding uh, yesterday, and he had to leave early on Friday and uh, to go do that. And I didn't get him the name of this series before he left, so I made my own graphic today. And uh, he'll have a smothering spell when he gets back, and it won't look like that next week, I promise you. Uh, it won't. Uh, but uh, those of you that know me and know me well, you know that I love David. He's one of my favorite characters uh, in the Bible. Uh, I've done many studies on David in the life of David. Even when I was a youth pastor, I, I did a, a lot of uh, Bible studies with youth on the life of David. A few years ago, I did one on Wednesday nights. I think it lasted 12, 15 weeks, something like that. But I love the story of David. Uh, and I can't think of a better way for us to spend our time together this summer uh, than to spend it with King David. Because to say that David uh, is an important person in the Bible would be a massive understatement. Uh, to say that we have more written on David in the Bible than any other character in the Bible except for Jesus Christ himself. And not just the Old Testament, 
But even in the New Testament, as you read, you will find uh, about 60 different references. You will see David mentioned uh, about 60 different times, even in the New Testament. Because to the Jewish people, David was an icon. He was this iconic figure. He was a symbol of Israel's uh, past greatness. And not only a symbol of, of their past greatness, but also their future hope. And as you read the story and study the life of David, uh, you know, his life has all the elements for a, a great movie. Uh, he's introduced to us in Scripture as this lowly shepherd boy. Uh, he's the runt of the family of Jesse's, uh, I believe, seven sons that he has. But through this shocking act of courage that you really don't see coming, he becomes a, a, a warrior who creates this uh, gigantic uh, giant of a man named Goliath. And he goes from there in defeating Goliath, he goes from there to becoming one of the most popular men in the nation of Israel and then becomes their greatest king. And we see God describe David uh, in his word as saying that David was a man after his own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. But the story uh, of David for us is more than just an interesting story of a great man who, by the way, had many flaws and failures throughout his life. But it's more than that. It's more than just a story of this great man of Israel. But David's story connects to your story. And it connects to, to my story. Uh, you see, David came along and, and, and he gave uh, the, the people a great sense of national pride. He brought to them prosperity. He brought to them security. He, he brought to them everything that they wanted, everything that they had longed for. And you see, that's how David's con story connects to our story. Because if you think about it, most people in the world today, if we're honest and we really uh, skinny it down, what life is all about and what people are living their life for, uh, basically it comes down to the fact that they're searching for three things in life. They're searching for an identity. They're searching for security. And they're searching for happiness. And many people spend all of their life Searching for these three things. It's the thing that we crave most. It almost seems like that's what we're, we were created to have. Is an identity and have security and have happiness in our life. And, and I believe if we're all honest today, we're all looking for something in life that gives us an identity. Something that, that, that gives us self-worth. Something that, that gives us uh, value that we would be known for give us some sort of significance in this world that we're living in. And so I would ask you this morning, what is that for you? What is that for you that you're searching for, that you're striving for to have some sort of identity in your life that would set you apart from everyone else? What is that for you? Is it how smart you are? Is it maybe how much money you have that you're trying to have your identity in, in how wealthy you become? Maybe 
You want your identity to be about how pretty you are or how healthy you are or how athletic you are or how successful you are. You see, a lot of people's identity and self-worth today, you see, it rises and falls based on how you stack up against everybody else. Our identity rises and falls based on how we compare to other people or how our kids compare to other people's kids. And our identity that we're searching for comes through those things. And then there's security. What do you look to to tell you that your future is going to be okay? What is it that you look to that, uh, to tell you that you're, you're going to be okay, your future's going to be uh, all right? Fill in this blank this morning. As long as I have what, everything is going to be okay. What, would you respond to, to that by saying, as long as I have my job, everything's going to be okay? As long as I have my 401k, everything's going to be okay. As long as I have my family or my spouse or my health, everything's going to be okay. And maybe, and none of us would probably admit this this morning, but maybe we fill in that blank this morning with our own name. Maybe it's just you and you think that you're so awesome and you're so good and you're so talented and you're so wealthy and, and all this that even, you know what, if you lost everything you could build it all back and accomplish it all again. And then there's happiness. What makes you happy? What makes life worth living for you? What's the one thing that if you lost it, if you lost it, life wouldn't be worth living in anymore? Fill in this blank. I couldn't imagine ever being happy without what? You see, the, the search for these three things is what most people yearn for. The search for these three things is what most people spend their life trying to find and, and trying to have. And, and it's also what the story of David is all about. But David's story, uh, interestingly enough, begins with another story that at first uh, seems pretty random. If you're reading scripture, it's a story about this childless woman uh, that was down on her luck and her name was Hannah. But her story sets up the story of David for us. You see, it's not just David's story, but it's also some of our stories. And I believe you'll see the connection and how we can relate to it as we go on this morning. But like many of our stories, Hannah's story includes some great heartache. Some great pain. And we begin to see it here in verse 2 of chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 2. It says this. He had two wives. <laughs> there lies part of the problem. <laughs> right? And, and it's talking about Elkanah. If you read the first verse there, you'll see that this is actually talking about uh, Elkanah, and the reason I didn't read the first verse is because I can't pronounce any of those names in the first verse. So it says he had two wives. Elkanah had two wives. 
One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Now, if at some point in this message today I pronounce that Panini, <laughs> y'all just know what I'm talking about. And we'll have a sandwich after church. All right? Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Verse 3, year after year, this man, talking about Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. You see, that was Hannah's pain. That, that was Hannah's heartache. That was her heartbreak. She can't have a child. She's not able to get pregnant. But who does it say here had closed her womb? The Lord had, right? Was it, was it because of something that she had done wrong? No. God had done it, we will learn, for His purposes and for His glory. Verse 6. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, talking about Penina, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Hannah's heartache, her burden, what she was going through was so bad that she couldn't eat. Anybody been there? Been in a situation to where you just didn't have an appetite because of the weight that you were carrying? That's where Hannah was. Because you see, not being able to have a child is difficult for any woman that wants to have a child. It's difficult for any woman in any culture. But at this time, it was absolutely one of the worst possible things that could happen to a woman. And I'll tell you why. Because here's the deal. Back in that culture, the more children that you had, specifically sons, the more sons that you had the more workers you had, okay? Because it was all about, you know, farming or ra raising some sort of livestock or something like that about how they would provide for their family. So the more kids you had, the more work staff you had, right? And, and so the more kids they had, the more income, the more money that, that they can make because they had a bigger workforce. And also back then, they didn't have 401Ks. And so basically, your children were your retirement plan. I don't know about you, but I would be in great trouble. <laughs> you know? Um, my kids are already telling me, and I'm a long ways from this. My kids are already telling me they have my nursing home picked out. <clears throat> I'm just praying the good Lord that my daughter-in-laws will have pity on me and Lynette and take care of us when we need it. Because our boys won't. <clears throat> but back then, the more kids you had, the better that you would be taken care of when you got to the age when you needed to be taken care of. 
And so the more kids you had, the more security you had in, in knowing that you would be taken care of in your older age. You see, here's the deal. Back then, having kids was what women did. Ha- having kids was the main thing back then. It was their identity. It was what brought value to the family and to the culture of that day. And, and you see, that's just some of the practical reasons uh, that, 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 you know, just add to, think about the emotional stress, the, the mental pain of Hannah not being able to get pregnant. And, and then what made it worse was the fact that her rival, the other wife, Penina, had lots of kids. And so she would use that to torment Hannah. And it says year after year after year, A life of heartache, tormented, frustrated, unhappy, and insecure would be just a few words that would describe Hannah's life at this time. Hannah's life was miserable. Day in and day out, she had failed to be the one thing that she thought mattered. That was a mother. And every day, Penina threw it up in her face. And Elkanah, well, he's just as dumb as all the rest of us men, right? He doesn't have a clue what's going on. He doesn't know the right thing to say. Right, he's already tried this whole double portion thing. You know, he gives Penina one hot dog. He gives Hannah two hot dogs. And, and now, now look at verse 8. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? What's wrong with you? Don't, don't, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> I, I read that and I just thought, you got me, babe, you know? I got you, babe. What else does a woman need? I mean, she's got him. What an idiot. And thousands of years later, we've not, we've still not figured it out, have we, men? And all the women are going, yeah, that's right. I was talking to Tim Carter uh, the other morning. We were having breakfast, and he was telling me about, this doesn't relate to me or him either one. He was just telling me about a friend of his um, that would talk about the 50-50-90 rule. Uh, Tim, help me out if I get this wrong, but men have a 50-50 shot at doing the right thing. 90% of the time, we do the wrong thing, right? Um, I was telling him, I said, you know, I can sit and study. I can think, what it, you know, what is the right thing to do? What is the right thing to say? <laughs> it doesn't matter how long I think about it. I get it wrong every time. But that's just men. That's Elkin. He's obviously a man. But seriously, before we go any further, let me, let me ask you this. In, in thinking about Hannah, let me ask you this question. Where is this happening to you? Where is this happening to you? And, you know, luckily, we've progressed as a, a culture to a point where an, a woman's identity is not in how many kids she has. All right? We, we've progressed past that. But you know what? We've replaced it with other things that do assign 
value. Like how pretty you are. Or how thin you are. Right? Think about this. Historians say that our society right now is the first one in human history to have a widespread problem of eating disorders among young women. What does that tell us? Why, why is that a huge problem in the society and the culture that we live in today? Well, it's because our culture says today to women, this is how you have value. This is how you have a, a value. And so little girls grow up learning that you have to look a certain way in order to be accepted. You, you've got to look a certain way or you're not important. You, you've got to look a certain way or you'll be looked at as second class. And so there are a lot of young women today who are miserable with their life and miserable with who they are because of this value system that we have in place today in our culture. While their rivals out there, you know, the pretty young, thin things, their rivals are out there on TikTok and Instagram rubbing it in their face day after day after day. And by the way, I'm only focusing on women here because this story is about a woman. But you know what? Young men get caught up in similar things as well. They're taught that their value is in how athletic they are. Or they're taught that their value is in how hard they will work. Or what school that they can get into. Or what kind of earning potential that you have. And, and honestly, like Hannah, this is not something that we signed up for. This is not something that we got in line for and said, you know what, this is the way I want life to be. This is the way I want value assigned to uh, my, my daughters and, and my sons. This is not something that we wanted. But it's happened. It's what has happened in our culture. And we don't like it, but we still feel the weight of it. We didn't choose it, but we still feel the stress of it. And it can be crushing. Yes, our culture is different from the culture that Hannah was living in. But in all reality, it's really not that different, is it? And, and Hannah's pain and, and, and Hannah's hurt and Hannah's heartache is something that every single one of us experience in our own lives at some point. Because why? Because we're all searching for identity, security, and happiness. So, so let's move on now from, from Hannah's pain, from Hannah's heartache, Hannah's hurt. Let's move on now to Hannah's hope. And, and we begin to see it. Uh, the turning point is in verse 9 there of, uh, of chapter 1. It says this, when, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. 
Now, in just reading that, you, you know, you wouldn't, you, you would think that that was just some random detail, but if you study it in depth, you would find out and learn that it's not just a random detail. It's not like Hannah just ate supper and then stood up and went to the living room, right? No, she stood up. She stood up resolved. She stood up having made a choice. She stood up having made a decision in her life. So what was that choice? What was that decision? Well, look down at verse 11. She stood up resolved. She made a choice. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now again, we just read that and read through that, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to it. But by her saying, by her making a vow, this vow that no razor would ever be used on her, her son's head indicates... Her intention to take a Nazarite vow. And, and, and that's a huge deal. And we don't have time to, to cover all that this morning. But normally it would not be the mother who would be making this vow for a child. It would be, uh, it would be a young man who would make this vow himself and it, to, to go through this process of becoming a, a priest. But anyway, th this vow that she took, that she's taking here, that she's resolved to is basically a vow saying that she was going to, if God would give her a son, she would give up all rights to that child. She would give up all the rights to that child and that child would go and live in the temple and become a priest. You see, she wouldn't get to raise this child. She wouldn't enjoy, uh, have the, uh, the joys of raising a child. She, she wouldn't have him there to help work and, and, and to farm and to help raise a, a living. He, he wouldn't be there in her old age to take care of her. In, in this vow, she renounced, don't miss this, she renounced everything she would have hoped to have in a son. But watch this, because this is so good. When she was done praying, when she finished this vow, look at verse 18. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Don't think these little details here are just random details. Right? She has, she has renounced the one thing that she thought she needed to be happy. And she gets up... <coughs> No longer sad. And, and yes, she would get pregnant at the end of this chapter. If you continue reading, she would get pregnant. But don't miss this. She is joyful long before she finds out that she's going to have a child. Right? The, the order here is important. It's not pray, get pregnant, and have joy. No, it's pray... Have joy and then get pregnant. What happened? Well, the weight of bearing a child, the weight of bearing children, the, the, the weight that that had on her happiness has now been broken. It's no longer there. 
Why? Because she resolved for it to be broken. She made a choice. She made a decision that that weight was not going to be carried by her any longer. It had been broken. It had been lifted from her. Hannah was doing what? She was resolving to have a new source of identity. She was, she was resolving to have a new source of security in her life. She was resolving to have a new source of happiness in her life. And what was it? It was the Lord. It was her Lord and Savior. And for the sake of time, we don't have time to read Hannah's prayer of praise there in chapter 2. But I appreciate so much Carolyn Garrett reading it for us in our worship this morning. And I encourage you to go home and read it again later because it's so important to this story of Hannah's hurt and Hannah's hope that she has. But here's the deal this morning. There are basically two ways... To try and establish your identity. There's basically two ways to try and establish security. And there's two ways to try to establish happiness in your life. The first way is the world's way. It's the culture's way. Right? It's based on how many kids you have or your beauty or your talent or your popularity or your ability to make money. But the other way, the second way, is Hannah's way, and that's the way of faith. That's the way of faith. You can lean into God and let Him be the source of your identity. You can lean into Him and let Him be the source of your security. Let Him be the source of your happiness. I'll just tell you uh, this morning, the bottom line is this. If you seek your identity, if you seek your security and your happiness through the ways of the world, ultimately you will end up broken, hungry, and poor. But if you will seek these things through the way of your faith in your good God that we sang about earlier. And oh, by the way, Joe Beth, that last song that you sang... All right, this is written down, and it's in my desk, but I want you to sing that at my funeral. And we're not going to do it anytime soon, but I want you to sing that at my funeral. It's one of my favorite songs. I've got it on my playlist. I listen to Spotify while I'm, while I'm working. Got some of them little white things all the kids wear in their ears, you know. And I caught myself. I was out there the other day. At Chase drove by and uh, didn't stop. I was weed-eating uh, the ditch, and I was... I caught myself, that song, I'm singing it at the top of my lungs. And I'm like, if anybody gets close to me, they're going to think I've lost my mind. I love that song. Our God is good. He is faithful. That is where our identity, our security, and our happiness has to come from. It's from Him and it's through Him. And, and, and by the way, you know what? Hannah did go on to have a son. She named her son Samuel, who became a priest, and he became Israel's greatest prophet. This great priest, Samuel, this great prophet, would one day anoint Israel's greatest king, King David. And it was through the lineage of David that one would come and be the final prophet. 
that one would come and be the great high priest. That one would come, not just be the king. He would be the king of kings. And his name was Jesus. That's the connection that you and I have to Hannah today. It's through our Savior. It's through Jesus Christ who came to be the Savior of all the world, of all people, to offer us an identity, to offer us security, to offer us the happiness that we all were created to have. You see, the reason so many people, the the reason we find ourselves chasing after identity and security and happiness is because He created us that way. That we would desire to have an identity. That we would desire to be secure. That we would desire to have happiness. That's the way that we were created. I think today we've seen here the the, the parallel between Hannah's story and, and between our story. You see, Hannah was looking for a child for her identity. She was looking for a child for her happiness. The question for us is this. Where are we looking? And be honest. Where are you looking for your happiness? Where are you looking for your security? Where are you looking for your identity? What do you have to have in order for your life to be good? What do you care the most about trying to get? What is it that's eating at you to the point to where you can't even eat? You see, there's a lot of connections between Hannah's story and many of our stories here today. See, a lot of people today are trying to establish their identity through what they can accomplish All of the accomplishments that you can pile up will continue to leave you bitter, insecure, and disappointed. The good news of Jesus offers us something different today. Amen? The good news of Jesus. He offers you the identity. Don't miss this. And it sounds so simple. It is simple. He offers... You the identity of being his child. He offers you the identity of simply being his child. So can I ask you this morning, is the identity child of God more important to you today than any other identity that this world tells you that you should have child of God child of God is that your most important identity because I can tell you from experience happiness can only be found in him so let's not just read Hannah's story about a God answering a prayer and giving her a kid. Read it as a story about how God gave us something better than kids. He gave us His. His Son. That's Hannah's hope. And it's the hope I come to offer 
you today. And it's better than everything else that this world is offering you. Because here's the deal, and many of you know this. People will walk out of our lives. Family will disappoint us. Success can crumble. Money runs out. Beauty fades. But Jesus is forever. This morning as we close, I don't, I don't know how this connected. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But I believe that Hannah's story connected to some other stories in this room today. And so I just want to close with a word of prayer. And I think it's special to have prayer together. And I would invite anybody to come that wants to come this morning. Maybe the Holy Spirit connected something in Hannah's story to your story. And you just want to come today resolved. Making a choice that your identity, your security, and your happiness is going to be in Him. Not in a circumstance, not in a situation, not in a person, not in a job, not in how other people view you. Because listen, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks about you. It only matters what he thinks about you. And so this morning, if that resonates with you and you want to come pray and you want to take that step to be resolved this morning, I invite you to come. And then we're going to close together with a word of prayer. Dear God, we come before you today uh, humbly and thanking you for this awesome reminder today. I thank you for what your Holy Spirit is doing. Um, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you're speaking to hearts. You're ministering to needs. You're challenging some to be resolved, to make a choice, to make a decision. I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you're doing. And so today I pray that uh, you would give some people the strength to stand up the way that Hannah stood up with a resolve making a choice because ultimately it is our choice whether we accept you and accept the identity that you have for us and the security that is in you and the happiness that comes from you it's our choice 
to accept you and that or to continue to accept our culture and what our culture tells us will make us happy, make us successful. And God, we're all smart enough to know you, you gave us all enough intelligence to know the, the right choice. And today I pray that your spirit would give the strength to make that choice. And so I'm thanking you today for what you're doing right now in this moment. And what you're going to do in the days ahead because of the choices that are being made here today. God, I continue to pray for those in our church that are battling, that are struggling. Parents of children that are broken. God, minister to their heart today. Help them. Put someone in that child's path, someone in that child's life, a situation that would remind them of the goodness and the faithfulness of you. God, I pray for Bob and Sue, Sue's brother that's facing the, the end of his life. And Bob and Sue have been through a lot. So I pray that you would be with them during this time as they wait. God, I pray that you'd be with our dear saint, uh, Mary Ann. God, I pray that you bring healing to her eye. That you would just be with her in a special way during these days and comfort her. And just pray that your presence would be very strong and very real in, in their home today. I continue to pray for Randy and pray for June. We pray for complete and absolute healing of their bodies. That you will restore. You will give good days ahead. Because they know. That they've been adopted. And they're a child of the king. But God do what only you can do. In their, in their lives. And we praise you for good reports. And we trust you with the future. God I continue to pray for, for Lisa. And her family. And. Just the burden of what she's going through with, with her mom. And... Dear God, give her wisdom, give her strength, give her rest. Be with that whole family. Pray that you would be with David Brown as they care for his mother. She goes through this progression of Alzheimer's that's just so devastating and difficult, not only for his mom, but for the entire family. It affects them all. So I pray that you give him strength and comfort and rest and wisdom as well. So many others in our church that I, I can't even keep up. You know each and every need, each and every situation. Today I pray that we would be resolved in saying and knowing you are Lord of all. You are Lord of all and you are Lord in all. 
and we trust you. Our hope is in you. It's the only place. You're the only person that gives us hope. And we thank you for that today. We thank you for your love. I love you dearly. And thank you for what you've done in my life. And for me and my family. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus. Our hope that we ask these things. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we leave and we go out together be in the church? Would you share with me in reading our benediction before we go? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen and amen. God bless you all. I love you so much. Enjoy this beautiful day.